Mark Silverman. This guy hosts really the show that we want to be, right? Former NFL player, great personality, lovable character, beloved in his town, like Tausch is. And then, I mean, Sylvie's great, but I'm trying to be half as good as him. You listen to them on Waddle and Sylvie each weekday on ESPN 1000, ESPN Chicago. From the, as Jesse likes to put it, first place Chicago Bears perspective, it's our friend Tom Waddle on Wildey and Tausch. Waddle, how are you, buddy? I'm good. First of all, I was just enjoying Tausch's playlist there as, as you guys were coming out of break. That's fantastic. That's good music. I like that. Uh, I am doing well, and I think, yes, there's no question we feel we have you right where we want you this Sunday night. Uh, we own you. We still own you. Is that the, the place where you want to be? <laughs> Come on. We haven't been in first place since, like, 1940. Can we just revel in it for just a few moments? You should. You absolutely should. Were you uh, Were you at the game? Were you on the sideline in a canoe at the game on Sunday? <laughs> I was in Section 251 in the South End Zone, and it was miserable. Now, I, I have the pleasure of telling you I was also at that horrible game where the, the Packers kicked our ass, and I think it was 94, at Soldier Field. So I think I've actually been either in uniform or in the stands for the two worst weather games that, that Soldier Field has hosted in the last 35 years. Well, the results were much better, and when you guys move to a dome out in the burbs, everything will be forgotten when it comes to games Amen. like that. All right, so are you allowing yourself, because, look, every every year the Packers and Bears play each other twice. Normally I join you before each game, but you guys are making up some story as to why you can't fit me in this week, which is fine. Um, you know but, that's a silly decision. He's got full control over the guest list on our show, so don't yeah. put that on me. Can't, can't wait to see him at the Tundra Trio uh, this weekend exactly. and give him a piece of my mind. Um, but... Every time I come on with you guys, you guys, you know, we we do the son of a Mitch Bowl conversation over the last couple of years. You guys are always so downtrodden every time I join you. And then I come on and say, no, I, there's a path for the for victory for the Bears. And you guys tell me I'm crazy. And that's that's the dynamic. This has turned it up on upside its head. They won. The Packers lost. The Bears are 1-0. The Packers are 0-1. Are you allowing yourself to get excited, or do you feel like this is just a figment of your imagination and things will return to normal soon enough, probably around 7-20 on Sunday night? Well, listen, first of all, with your team, we've seen this story before. We saw it last year. You guys cannot get boat raced by the Saints. And then what happened? You turned things around. I mean, that's that's, you know, I'm not... I'm not one of these people that, that overreacted on Monday and said, oh, you know what, Packers are done now. No, I have tremendous respect for that coach and that quarterback and what they will do, and I think you're probably going to get a very focused crew up there uh, trying to defend their home turf on, on Sunday night. I'm excited about the Bears team, not even based on who they are this year. And I may be the only person in Chicago that doesn't give a rat's rump about what the actual record is this year. And I know that that's probably stupid to say, especially having played the game. But finally, guys, they are going to rebuild this thing. And hopefully they're going to do it the right way. And I've been impressed with 
just the fact that they've got a plan and they're sticking to the plan and they're not wavering from the plan and they don't care what anybody else thinks about things. They drafted a cornerback and a safety with their two second-round picks in the draft this past April when everyone was screaming at them to get Justin Fields some help. No, we're going to take the guys that are the highest players rated on our board at the time, and they did it. This team, while they lack top-end talent at this point, they built this trend of being this, this team that plays really hard. They play discipline. They had three penalties for 24 yards and had one turnover in a monsoon on Sunday. And that's been the trend even through preseason. So at the end of the day, I don't know who they are. I don't think they're talented enough to really shock the world this year. But I'm just kind of excited at the new direction this new group is taking them. And now they play hard and they play smart. So, Tom, what what's kind of the verdict so far on the Justin Fields era? You got a new coach, you got all this newness to it, but are Bears fans really vibing thinking he's our guy for the next decade, or is it still let's wait and see? I think the vibe tells is that yes, from fans it's definitely he's our guy and, and it's um you know, it's so funny. I watched the game. I watched yesterday. I sat down and watched the All-22, and I, and I watched the first half. And i got to tell you guys, I can't believe that we ended up winning that game. Uh, the Bears had dominated on all fronts, and Justin played very poorly on a number, uh, on a, in a number of ways. And then I left at the half and put it on pause, and I had to take something to the post office for my wife, as I'm so apt to do. But then I came back expecting to see a little bit better version, and for the first 10 minutes of the third quarter, I saw the same thing. The 49ers were a significantly better team. And then the whole game changed when Justin broke contain, made a play outside the pocket, hit a wide-open Dante Pettis for a 51-yard touchdown pass. And this team that really is, is too young to really know what they're doing at times just kept pulling on the same end of the rope, and good things started to happen. Long story short, like, Outside the pocket and improvising, Justin's the real deal. He's going to get people in the NFL help. There's no question about it. He's dynamic. He's more, I think he's more accurate on the edge when he's on the move. I think he's more confident. But as we all know in this league, if you can't play the position at a high level from, from the pocket, you're really not going to get to where you want to go. And I think that for me, I have no questions about his athletic ability and his leadership skills and his arm strength and some of the other stuff. But I'm still in wait-and-see mode whether or not he can function inside the pocket and process things and be accurate with the tight window throws that the top quarterbacks need to make. So I think naturally the fan base is very excited, but I'm, opti- I'm cautiously optimistic. I just need to see more because he hasn't played many NFL games. Talking with our friend Tom Waddle from ESPN Chicago, Waddle and Sylvie. Uh, Tommy, when... You get a new head coach every few years, which is what the Bears have seemingly done. Um, fair, right? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm oh, not no, trying to be accurate. That's accurate. Yeah. Totally uh, accurate. Uh, I, I don't know how quickly you get attached to them, but early opinions of Matt Eberflus. Because uh, it, it does appear that his team plays hard for him. It does appear that his yeah. team plays smart for him, which... You know, again, not to disparage some other coaches that have come through, but that hasn't always been the case. What do you think of the Eberflus era thus far? I think you, you, you nailed it in the description. 
Look, I know I was watching the Monday night game and watching what Nathaniel Hackett was doing and suggesting, you know, sitting on my couch while I'm glad my team, while not as talented as the Broncos, they seem to be a little bit smarter group, which is a reflection of, of the coach. I don't know yet. Like, look, the year one of Matt Nagy's tenure here, Sylvie was trying to legally change his name to Nagy and, and was talking about, <laughs> you know, permanently having a visor put on his head. And we were all pretty enamored with, with some of the early stuff. And then it, it became what it became. So uh, you try to take a measured approach. But again, like I said, I don't have any unrealistic expectations for this team. What I want to see them do is get back to some basics and, and, and pour a good foundation and, and, and build from the ground up. And, and, you know, he came in with this hits principle, and a lot of people laughed. But then you saw late in training camp, his players were responding to it, and we've seen a team that is tremendously disciplined and plays hard and defensively does some really good things. So, so far, so good. I, I like the plan, but, like, there's no way I can tell you that five years from now, you know, he's going to be the best coach in the NFL. I don't know. I just like what I've seen so far. All right, Waddle, what do you think? How is Aaron Rodgers viewed in Chicago? Well, for those who, that actually are true football fans, I think there's a great deal of respect. I think that I think there's some hatred, there's no doubt, but, you know, that's jealousy. There's some respect, some, some respect that has a tinge of jealousy to it. Um, look, I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. I want Aaron Rodgers. I want an Aaron Rodgers. I hope Justin Fields becomes Aaron Rodgers. But um, I actually thought it, there were a lot of people that were pissed off that Aaron looked into the, to the, the bleachers last year and said, I own you. He was responding to a woman who I believe was using some pretty foul language at him, and quite frankly, he has owned us. So, like, he was just being factually accurate. Um, but, yeah, I think there's equal parts. I think there's, I think there's a smaller percentage of people that respect him that hate him, but the hate is, is basically, I think, jealousy in a different form. Yeah, I, so I still believe that this is a big rivalry, but one of our – teammates steve the homer true you can listen to him two to four on espn milwaukee he told me last year that the lions are a bigger rival than the bears because of the success that the green bay packers have had versus the chicago bears in the last decade what say you i say that if you're going to go outside of the bears the vikings would be a bigger rival for you than the lions um no i Tom, I think he's saying the Bears aren't even a rival anymore. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I I don't agree with that. I mean, it's hard to, you know, when when the rivalry, so to speak, becomes so lopsided, the matchup becomes so lopsided, it does lose a little bit of luster. But let's face it, this rivalry goes back decades. And I think it will always be considered a rivalry. I think, again, I think it does get diluted a little bit because of the, you know, the the transient nature of the of the of the sport, like free agency, didn't exist really in my era, right as my I was beginning. So you were stuck on a team unless you were traded. Now guys can move around, but yeah, I would I would still say that the Packer Bear rivalry, at, re, at least from our perspective here in Chicago, we like to think it's a big rivalry, although we've been dominated in recent years. But I would think, Taos, from your perspective, purely on the field. Wouldn't you consider the Vikings at this point maybe a bigger rival than the Bears? Uh, I, 
to me, it's always been geographical because when I played, the Bears were good. Defenses, Urlacher and Briggs, and yeah. there was always that. And then the Vikings at the back end of it. But from a Wisconsin standpoint, I disagreed with Homer. There's always yeah. going to be, even in the 80s when it was the other way around, if we right. found a way to win against the Bears, that kind of made our season, which I think, especially the last couple seasons, that's been that way from Chicago's standpoint. It's always better when both yeah. teams are good. And yep. that always I... spices up a rivalry. And I think the fact that the last couple of years of Matt Nagy and potentially this year with a new coach, it's going to be a little bit tough sledding. There, this rivalry is historic. There's a reason that this game has been on prime time. What six, yeah. eleven of the last twelve years that one of the Bears-Packers games has been on a prime time spot, and that's because the history of what these two franchises have. Yeah, I think it's very well said. Uh, of course, in the when you zoom out and you look at the NFL and the greatness of this league and all of the history that exists. The Bears and the Packers fill a large portion of that. So I agree with you 100%. Again, I think the fact that free agency has become a more prominent aspect of the game has kind of changed it a little bit. But geographically, I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, we'll always lean back on those days where, you know, Ditka would, we would come in and Ditka would say, I don't care if we go 2 and 14 as long as both wins come against the Packers. You know, and that was just, that was the era. Yeah, I can tell you this, inside the building, and I don't know how it is at Hallis Hall, they don't care. The players don't care anymore. Like, there was a time when coaches, Mike Sherman, when he was coaching Tausch, they would put together, like, a video with the history of the rivalry. Bring in Fuzzy. They're not doing that anymore. Matt LaFleur doesn't care. It's it's the next game on the schedule. All right, Tommy, one more thing before we let you go. Uh, When a snot-nosed kid from Boston College came in in 1989, and uh, Harbaugh and Zack were there. Were they jerks to you? Because the topic that everyone's focused on here, and, and I, look, I am leading the band, because you don't have Devontae Adams anymore. You don't have Equinemius St. Brown, who caught a touchdown for the Bears. You don't have MVS. You got a bunch of young guys and Sammy Watkins, who you've never played with, and Randall Cobb, who you love, but he's 32 years old. And as Matt Hasselbeck said on our show recently, it's the only team that Randall Cobb's playing for. No one else is paying him. That's Matt Hasselbeck's theory. What was it like for you... So many, many years ago, coming in as a rookie, and as you watch the Packers, and you watch Aaron Rodgers, and you see him get frustrated with young guys' mistakes, what do you think, as a wide receiver, who at one time was a rookie, and then later was a veteran elder statesman in the offense, how do you view that from your receiver perspective when you watch Rodgers and these young guys? Well, I mean, look, with all due respect to Mike Tomczak and, and Jim Harbaugh, Aaron's, you know, a top five quarterback of all time. So there's a, a different level of of respect, I think, that exists. But by the same token, I think that the goal of every receiver is is you have to earn the trust of that quarterback, especially if it's an established quarterback. So the burden is actually on the rookie wide receiver. Now, you you got to be careful, I think, especially when the quarterback is probably is. is as well-regarded as Aaron is, is that if Aaron gets down on some of your young guys, maybe those young guys get down on themselves, and then the process of becoming a talented or a productive player may be delayed a little bit. 
I don't know the dynamic inside that building, but I always knew that it was my job as a young receiver to earn the trust of the quarterback. And you do that, not so much, everyone's going to drop a pass. Like, that's just human nature. That's a physical mistake. It's, you have to be where you're supposed to be at all times on every play. And if you're not, I think that is something that will, will certainly betray the trust of a quarterback more so than a physical mistake. But that's a process, so, isn't it, Tommy? Like, it's yeah, a, as yeah. good as you were, it took you a while. Well, yeah, my ass was on the practice squad for the first two years. So for me, it took a lot longer than other people. But, but it does. I, I mean, but at the end of the day, I, I mean, this is you're a professional. Like, you, you, you know your plays, be in the right spot and catch the football. And the quarterback, know where your receivers are supposed to ball and put it on the money. And, and if everyone does their job, then, then it's all going to be fine. Again, the one thing that I don't think anyone should tolerate is mental mistakes. Physical, physical mistakes are going to happen. But the mental mistake, the mental part of it, I think, is where the quarterback finally becomes most comfortable or, or finds the trust factor with a young receiver. If the young receiver's out there just hauling and passes one-handed but doesn't know where he's supposed to be from play to play, that guy's going to be trusted less than the guy that comes in and knows exactly where he is supposed to be at all times. So, to me, that was the most important commodity. Make sure that you know where that you know, you're supposed to be on every given route and earn the trust of your quarterback. It, it, it does take time, that's for sure, though. Well, I know where I'm supposed to be during Bears week, and that's on Waddle and Sylvie, but apparently that's not the case this week. So we brought you onto our show instead. Tommy, you're the best, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Be well. That is the great Tom Waddle, our teammate at ESPN Chicago. Mental mistakes, whether you're Mike Tomzak or Aaron Rodgers, you can't stand for them. More next, it's Wilde and Tausch. This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com.